0: Good morning everyone. Good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. If you've never done that before, that was your first time. That's what we do on Easter here. I'm going to read just for a second from the, the account Luke 24. We've been following the story of Jesus's last week this whole week starting with Palm Sunday last week and then uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday today. We get to the good part. one of the best lines in the Bible right there. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered Jesus's words. He is risen. The stone was rolled away. Jesus is living. So why would he be in the tomb? Why do they look for the living among the dead? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give you glory and praise this morning for what you have accomplished through Christ, the culmination of your mission. Because Jesus resurrected, we too will resurrect. And we have a blessed hope in our heart that no matter what life throws at us, we know that we will resurrect in Christ. We know that the same spirit that raised Jesus to life lives in us and gives life to us as well, both in this life and in the next. For that, we praise you this morning. The resurrection of Jesus makes it possible for people to come to the Father, be transformed, to know the love of God. Uh, The veil was torn uh, that separated God and humanity through Jesus Christ's broken body on the cross. And all of us can come directly to the Father through Jesus, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. Jesus promises redemption of our lives and restoration. Amen? So, Most people in our culture are familiar with the story of Easter week, right? It's kind of something we understand. Uh, Every Easter season, new specials come out on television, new movies get released on A&E and the History Channel. Are you familiar with these things? So there's stuff like, you know, um, Jesus' mother was an alien. The tomb was a spaceship. What terrible secret was Jesus hiding? You know, you, you, read, you see these sensational things. You're like, well, oh, that's interesting. That sounds historically accurate. <laughs> Art Bell told me that was true. You know, is that guy that's on late night on NPR? Yeah. Or, yeah, no, WGY used to be. Uh, we hear stories, uh, you know, the shocking truth that the church has kept hidden for generations. Jesus had 45 wives and 450 children. How is it that some of them are still alive? And why has the church been hiding his terrible secret this week on the History Channel? You're like, it must be true. It's on the television. It must be true. I'll never forget, around 2003, I was working in warehousing as a forklift operator. And uh, my my co-workers all knew I was a believer in, in the Lord. And uh, I had been a Christian for a couple years at that point, and or a few years, and um, the Da Vinci Code movie came out, and my, my co-workers were like, see, Detweiler, you see, this whole Jesus thing is kind of sketchy. There was, he might have been married to Mary and had these kids, and the Catholic Church has been hiding them and all this stuff. And I was like, guys, Dan Brown said it was a work of fiction on the inside of the cover. Like, this is a fictional work. People are just dying to have the story of Jesus uh, not be true, I suppose. So there's all kinds of interesting stuff that comes out. On on the more positive side, there's some cool stuff that comes out about Jesus, too. I just bought this at Walmart, and uh, it's National Geographic, the story of Jesus, and it talks about the historicity of Jesus' life and uses different sources. Uh, And and it really is quite uh, amazing. It was a reminder to me that outside of the Bible, there's so much amazing historical data that has been kind of put together uh, from other sources, secular, non-religious sources, uh, people that are respected as scholars and historians of Jesus's day uh, who wrote about Jesus and, and the events around his, his life. So very interesting stuff. We all have kind of this understanding of the Jesus story. How on Palm Sunday, we, we talked about it last week, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a colt how one of Jesus' closest friends, his disciples, betrayed Jesus, Judas, with a kiss. And Jesus was taken into custody. He was taken into custody by, and, and, and eventually put to death, by a kind of a deadly cocktail of religious and political forces of the day. The Roman government... and the the religious leaders of the day, which which were enjoying their place of power in society and wanted to hold on to that place of power. And so they said, we don't want Jesus around either. So they worked together, the religious and the political forces worked together to put Jesus to death. And that was what happened. We're familiar with that. We're familiar about how Jesus rose from the dead after three days in the grave. We talked about that this morning with the kids. We've heard this story. And we've also uh, heard that a person can be forgiven of their sins by looking to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross in their place. These are things that are common understandings that we've heard about. So today, I want to look at what this story actually means for us, for, for any human being that's ever lived or will live. What does this story that we know so well in our, in our consciousness, what does it mean for us so we're going to be looking at Romans 8, 1-4. If you like, you can turn your Bible to that. I'll put it on the screen as well. Or you can turn off your Angry Birds or Twitter feed and pull it up on your iPad or iPhone. If you have a Surface tablet, you can play Angry Birds while reading the Bible. You can multitask. But you, sh- you probably shouldn't. It's probably not good for your soul. You know. It could be very confusing. So we're going to read in Romans 8, 1 through 4. And before, before reading scripture, I always like to pray because the scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, training in all righteousness, pointing people to Jesus. It's very useful. Uh, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that's living and active in the world is needed to have understanding and have that text be illuminated. So I always like to invite the Holy Spirit of Christ to reveal truth to us. Please join me. Heavenly Father, we give you praise uh, for the events that we are celebrating today. I pray that uh, today we will have a deeper understanding of what, what you did for us on that cross and your resurrection by the Spirit, what that means for us today. So open our eyes, open our hearts, open our lives, and let us hear the invitation. For those who are near, for those who, are, who feel far away, the invitation is the same. Draw near to me. Draw near to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read this together. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Being a Christian minister, being a pastor, I often have to do research uh, on different things that are culturally um, re- relevant, I have to stay relevant, right? It's very important. So sometimes that research involves the suffering of having to binge-watch The Walking Dead on Netflix. <laughs> and uh, when there are, and I do the research, so you, so you don't have to, you know. <laughs> you. You're welcome. Yeah, it's um, that was a mouthful, but anyway, it's a zombie joke. Ah. Uh, <laughs> some of you, you got that. Anyway, uh, The Walking Dead has captured the imagination of our culture. And I know it's got to be more than just because people like zombies, which people apparently do. Because if it was just about zombies, uh, I don't think it would, it would be as popular as it is. There, last time I checked the other day, there was 34, over 34 million likes of The Walking Dead page on Facebook. That's a lot of likes. People are identifying with this show about zombies. People are identifying with the show about zombies. One of, my, one of my research nights that I was working on this uh, had a friend over, and we started a tradition of ordering chicken wings and watching, watching the show as we researched it together. Good to have a research partner. And um, I lost 30 pounds because I just can't eat chicken wings anymore. It's, uh, somehow the combination of The Walking Dead and eating chicken wings are not, is not a good combination. At any rate, uh, I found the show very fascinating along with the rest of the country and really the rest of the world. And the question is, what is the deeper connection that people are making with this show? Before my research into The Walking Dead, uh, I was under the impression being familiar with zombie lore and other movies that have come out. <laughs> John's laughing. Being familiar with the history of zombie movies and all, you know, Night of the Living Dead, all these types of things that came out earlier in the century, um, I was interested, you know, what is this show about? The Walking Dead. And at first blush, you think to yourself, this is about zombies. The Walking Dead are zombies. Um, but as you engage in research in the show you realize this, this title, The Walking Dead, is not about zombies. It's a very clever double meaning. And the thing that it really is about is something that everyone has an understanding of. This show is really about the non-zombie characters, the humans in the show. There's a disease that comes upon all of humankind. And basically the police, all authority figures, the structure of society is destroyed by this virus. And this is a common idea with, with zombie stuff. And, uh, and, and basically, there's groups of people that resort to a tribal way of living to survive. There's limited resources, and, uh, and people are pretty much being set up to try to figure out how to have society again in the midst of this, this world. And the really interesting thing about the show is it's not about the zombie characters. It's about the humans in the show not reverting to a dark greedy self preserving you know self lifting up, protect you and yours at all costs way of living. The show is all about the humans in the show not reverting to this dark power hungry proud, uh, destructive way of living there 's a really poignant scene uh, I remember where the the, the main episode, episode uh, character sheriff rick he 's talking to this other guy who has a, a, a kind of a rival tribe. And, and the, the other guy that he's talking to has sort of an advantage where he could inflict damage on Rick's people. And Rick is kind of begging for mercy. He says, please, you know, do not, don't hurt us. I mean, you have kids too. Look at my kids. I have, I have kids just like you. We're both humans. We're both just people. And, and, and this other guy says to him, yeah, but your kids aren't my kids. And he, he starts, you know, inflicting damage on, on Rick's people. Uh, there's this thing that we all identify with in that show. Where there's an impulse inside every person, every person towards this dark, self-preserving, selfish, proud, at all costs I will preserve myself and others uh, thing that we kind of can identify with. So the question I have when I when I when I watch this show is: Is this a realistic image of humanity? If something were to happen, where? authority society fell apart everything was going going downhill there was no structure in place people lost their comfortability there was limited resources would people revert to this protect yourself and your people at all costs kind of way of living even to the point of killing other people so that your family can live would we revert to that what do you think has this happened in history about the same time I was researching The Walking Dead tirelessly, um, I never get old. <laughs> I, was wa- I watched a uh, documentary on North Korea. It's uh, remarkable. That's just one, one case study. Can you think of others? There's a lot to think about. I think we'd have to say that it's true that this walking dead thing that everyone's identifying with, it's a part of us. It's a part of us. It's not, when we're comfortable, when things are going well, when we have our house and the doors are locked and we have all the money and resources we need, we, we kind of live in a, in a nice way, but just take those things away and see what happens. Our natural bent is towards being the walking dead, being self-preserving, uh, self, self Self, proud, protecting us and our own at all costs. And that is what Paul is talking about in our passage today. It's the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. A law is a principle like gravity. So when I step off of the stage, which direction do I go? I go down. That's a law of gravity. If I was in outer space, there's another law in effect called zero gravity. So I'd step off of the the step, and let me try this. And you just float across. I can't do it. Because we're in gravity. I'm being governed by a law. The Easter story, the cross of Christ, and the resurrection, is all about how God opened the way for all of humanity to go from one governing law or principle into another one entirely. The law of sin and death... To the law of the Spirit of life. So, this passage is literally about a change of laws in your life. It's a really interesting thing, going from death to life. Let's look at this text a little further. Reading from verse 1, Romans 8, 1 to 2. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The passage starts out by saying there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if your perspective is that sin is not terribly serious and that God won't judge sin, this statement probably doesn't really impact you very much. Um, But if you do believe in the severity of humanity's sin and death problem, the walking dead problem, then certainly this is quite a, a, a... impactful statement for you. And we all agree, there is a sin and death problem, right? This is a powerful statement if you believe in the severity of both personal and societal kind of sin. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, is what this passage is saying. Jail is miserable. It's a miserable place. And I think, I think it might be that way on purpose. They, they feed you nasty stuff. Mostly like composite soy, soy protein, isn't that right? It's not very pleasant. You're not able to call anyone freely on the telephone. Everything is kind of governed by the group. You know, this is a really difficult um, thing to go through. Think about what it's like to serve that term and then be released. All the parole stuff, it's gone. There's no one breathing down your neck. You can live your life. You can make your own decisions. It's overwhelming to get back out in some ways, but it's awesome. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, is what this passage is saying. What this is saying is, you had this debt of sin and death. You had the walking dead in your heart, and you participated in the walking death. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. You're free. You are released, and they say, Here's your duffel bag and run. But more than that, uh, more than that, God doesn't just set us free from, from, the, from the prison. He also, he fills us, he, tra- he, he changes our whole trajectory of life. The Holy Spirit of God, the, the law of the Spirit who gives life, this is referring to the Holy Spirit of Christ. If you read any stories about Jesus in the Bible, when he wasn't rebuking the religious people who were Condemning others and, uh, and power-hungry themselves, when he wasn't uh, talking against those kinds of things, he was talking to sinners and hanging out with sinners like you and me. And he was gentle. He was firm. He said, this needs to change. But he was loving and he was gentle. And he hung out with people that society said, you shouldn't be seen with that person. Jesus hung out with those people. He had a gentle, loving, kind spirit. And that same gentle, loving, kind spirit that is in Christ has been given to us. The spirit who gives life, that's the Holy Spirit of Jesus, Jesus' spirit. It's, it's, not only have we received freedom and, and had the condemnation taken away from us, but the spirit of God has been put on us. And it is as if a, a breeze just begins to blow over your life. You, you start walking and living differently. Whereas once you were kind of on a trajectory to death and you kind of made decisions based on self, sin, pride. I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I'm a good person on my own. Whereas you had that, this gentle... When you, when you surrender your life to Christ, when you turn to Jesus and look to his sacrifice for your salvation, a gentle wind begins to blow over your life and, and it just, it changes you in your inner being. The Spirit that gives life sets you free from the law of sin and death, no longer spiraling down, but now with the, through the power of the Spirit, you start moving, moving towards life. And that life that you receive, it's not just about where you go when you die, it's about the life that we live now. And the life that you receive from Jesus is a life that has future implications. That's why I like to say about the resurrection. We receive the life from Jesus and it has future implications. And just as there are future implications to the life received from Jesus, if we walk in sin and death, if we walk as the walking dead and refuse Jesus' invitation to us, you know, there's future consequences to that as well. Separation from God. No one wants that. Romans uh, 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. You see that two different ways of life, according to the flesh, according to the spirit. God is just, we see in this. God has a law that has been violated in this world. The law that we've broken, it leads to death, both in this life and in the life to come. And God knows that we are powerless to do anything about it. We are helpless. You see here, the law was powerless. It was weakened by our flesh, by our sin and death problem, by our walking dead problem. You can hear the right thing to do, but you can't do it. This is the dilemma that we had. We could hear the right things, but we couldn't do them because we were moving towards death at all times. God knew that we were helpless. We were dead in our sins, is what the Bible says. But that wasn't the end of the story for God. The Bible teaches that God is love. That's something that you could really, if you, if you studied the whole Bible, God even calls says, I am love. That's my name, I am love. And the Bible does teach that God is merciful. In the Old and New Testaments, it teaches that God is merciful. A lot of people talk about the God of wrath in the Old Testament and the God of grace in the New Testament. God is merciful throughout the Bible, if you'll take, take some time to read it in context and see what's going on. He's, he's loving and he's merciful. And another thing, a third thing that you'll see in the Bible is that God has always wanted a people for himself. God has always wanted a people for himself. So you see that God had a problem. God is loving, he's merciful, but he's also just. He has this law that he has created that that leads to life. And he desires a people for himself. But the people that he desires for himself are going down the the walking dead path. So what did God do? God came to earth in Jesus. That's That's what this story is about, about Jesus. It isn't that God said, okay, I'll send Jesus and he'll take my punishment for sin. Jesus was God. You understand that? Jesus was God. I'm very fond of calling Jesus God's second self because God wasn't taking out his wrath on someone else, like a whipping boy. That wasn't what God was doing in Christ. God took the full wrath for humanity's sin and death problem on himself because God is loving and God is merciful and God wants people for himself and those people are helpless to save themselves. So God said, I want people so badly that I will fulfill my own law's requirements in myself. You see in this, he sent his son, God's second self, Jesus, in the likeness of, of us, of you and me, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in himself, so that the righteous requirements of his law could be met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This is an amazing thing that God did. God took all of that justified wrath on himself in Jesus so that when we look to Jesus, uh, we have the righteous requirements of the law fully met through him. Isn't that awesome? There's no condemnation for us any longer who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation because through Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, God did, by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he condemned sin in the flesh so that we might meet the righteous requirement of his law, so that we could be a people for God, a people that belong to him. I love it where it says in Second Corinthians 5.21, and again, this is, such a, this is such a solid teaching from the Bible. I want you to be confident in this. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. How cool is that? Jesus had no sin. He looked like you and me. He didn't, there was nothing in, in his appearance that would set him apart from anyone in this room. God made him, this normal man, Jesus, who was God in the flesh, to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. We couldn't do it on our own. God gave it to us as a gift. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What about the part about uh, all the stuff we have to do to earn that salvation? Must be the wrong version of the Bible. Or maybe that's the same as every version of the Bible. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is an amazing thing. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's so cool. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And all who call on the name of the Lord are saved. Not because they're good enough, smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like them, but because God... Has paid it all. He's made the whole way through himself because of his love and his mercy. Uh, Jesus, the Messiah, uh, Messiah means representative. This is a really interesting thing. Messiah means representative. Jesus came as representative of all humanity. And he represented all of us and took all of our collective sin and our walking dead problem on himself and he died, and it was condemned in him so that we might live. God didn't come down as an activist holding a sign with big block letters that say, down with sin and death, down with sin and death, someone take care of this, someone take care of this. Jesus came down uh, as someone who has completely um, represented us. He's he's, He's taken it on himself. He has identified with us. He's sat in the trenches of sin with us. He's taken it on himself. It's an amazing thing. He represented us, Jesus. I love this verse uh, in Romans eight thirty one to 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's solidarity right there. God has shown solidarity with us as people. God conquered, he cornered and conquered the sin and death problem and the weight of the world's sin was put on Jesus. He, he was condemned, and he died on the cross, and that was something that the authorities thought was their decision. But this was God's plan all along, that Jesus' life would be given so that he could become for us the righteousness of God, so that we could live in a new way, according to the spirit of life, and not in the old way of sin and death, the walking dead. So I'm going to invite the worship team up. This morning, we're, we're just going to reflect on the love of God for all humankind that caused him to sacrifice his very self for us so that the righteous requirements of God's law could be met in us. God is the picture of self-giving love. God is whatever the opposite of the walking dead is. God is the walking life. And all that God has asked of us is that we look to him in simple faith and receive the gift that he's given us, that we might become a people for God, that we might live in a different way a very popular uh, political candidate who's on the news quite a bit these days. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say any names, but he was asked, he was asked, um, when you sin, you know, do you confess it to God? someone who says they're a Christian, you know. And he said, and I quote, believe me, when I, if I do something wrong, I just try to make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. So is that the spirit that we have? Well, some of us do have that spirit. I feel like a good end to that quote would have been, let me tell you, I've got the best people working on the sin and death problem. It's not going to be a problem. Let me tell you, believe me. Believe me, sin and death is not going to be a problem. Believe me, sin and death is a big problem. And there's only one solution. And you know what? God wants us to bring him into it. It's not, this is not an inconvenience to God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, the Trinitarian God. This is what he lives for. He loves his people. He wants to forgive them of their sins. He offers salvation for free so that we can become his people. Are we going to have this attitude that says, I don't bring God into the picture? My people will take care of it. <laughs> Are we going to have the kind of heart that says, yeah, I need a Savior? I think that that makes the most sense of all the options. I don't normally do this, but, you know, there, there's a thing where the Holy Spirit of Christ that is in a place, you know, the Holy Spirit dwells within his people, and, and Jesus' Spirit is, is among us, and, and the Spirit brings conviction to our hearts. He leads us into all truth. He guides us towards the way of life. And, and I just feel that, you know, if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if this message about the grace of God uh, through Jesus Christ is speaking to you, now is the time to pray and give your life to Christ. It really is. Because when's a better time when your heart hardens up after all that, you know, ham, you know, and <laughs> your arteries harden up and your heart hardens up? Seriously, we hear from God sometimes and we just kind of like say, okay, I feel convicted, but I just need to get to the parking lot and I can give it a rest, you know. But I don't want to miss this, this moment. Um, if God is speaking to you, now, is the, today is the day of salvation. Please pray with me this prayer. And we'll invite the Holy Spirit to make his dwelling place in you that the wind of God would begin blowing on your life, bringing new life to your heart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I, 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 I lift up anyone here and, um, and I join them in this prayer. Jesus, I thank you for fulfilling the righteous requirements of your own law on my behalf. I recognize my sin and death problem, my walking dead problem, and I know that the only solution is found in the life that the Spirit brings. And so, Lord, I give my life over to you. I I ask that you look to Jesus and pardon me of my sin and give me a new life in Christ, that I might no longer be governed by sin and death, but I would be governed by the Spirit of Christ. I'd be moving towards life uh, with you, in the coming days, as we walk together. I thank you for the free gift of salvation, that it's by grace that I'm saved, not by my works. And I thank you that you're such a loving God, and a merciful God, that you did all the work for me, so that I, even though I have been helpless up to this point, that even I can come to you. Thank you, Lord, that there is no one who is too far away your grace reaches us all and you place us all in this level playing field where all of us are just equally valuable in your sight because all of us have the value of Christ in us. And there's no one better or worse than another person in the family of God. We're all just sinners saved by grace. It should be called, uh, you know, the sinner's club at church because we're all just sinners who need a savior. And, uh, and we rely on you. We love you. We love walking with you in humility. Um, be at work in all of our lives, Jesus, as we leave this place and bless the Easter celebration of each family. Let it be a special day to commemorate Jesus and to enjoy the warmth and the love of the families you've blessed us with. Lord, I I thank you for my church family. These are my flesh and blood in this church. I love them, Lord. I thank you that I get to be their pastor. I thank you for them. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Your kids have a couple more minutes in their classes, so give them five minutes to finish up their lessons. Grab some, there's lots of donut holes out there. There's like 4,000 of them. Grab one and roll it to a friend. I'm so glad you joined us. God bless.